Hello and welcome to the Monroe Method Clancast. My name is Jason Monroe. This is episode 18. My goodness, it has been a while. So today is the 7th of October. I will probably release this on Monday the 10th of October. The last episode I recorded was on the 17th of August. Talking about the importance of being flexible on your weight loss journey. Now a lot has happened since then. Um, So at the start of August, I took on 10, my first ever 10 private one-to-one clients. They are just coming into their third and final initial month with me. So when people work with me one-to-one, I ask that they make a initial three-month commitment because quite simply, you cannot do much with someone in just a month. So I only want to work with people that are ready to invest in themselves and really take it seriously for a solid, at least a solid three months. Um, I actually just had a discussion with them yesterday, asking all 10 of them who would be staying and who would be leaving. Incredibly, only two people feel that they are ready to go alone. Um, The rest are all happy to stay, so much so that one person's even paying their next six months in advance. So I must be doing something right. Uh, but yeah, today, today I want to talk about, so there are two very good coaching questions um, that I use and I want to talk about one of them specifically today. Uh, but first, let's talk about consistency. But let's talk about what consistency is and what consistency isn't. That actually may be a good name. Or the title of this episode, so you'll probably see that in the title now. So what isn't consistency? Consistency is not doing exactly the same things every single day without fail. So if we bring that to nutrition and the way that people kind of treat their nutrition, let's say someone's tracking in my fitness pal, it consistency is not hitting an exact number of calories every day, an exact gra- uh, number of grams of protein exact number of grams of fiber, exact numbers of steps. You can you can be consistent with those things specifically, but consistency itself is fluid and flexible because life is fluid and flexible and life will not always allow you to stick to X amount of calories or X grams of protein. Life won't even let you be in a calorie deficit. I mean, I talk about this a lot with all my clients that I come into contact with, not just the private ones. But people will often say things like life got in the way or life gets in the way. And it's not true. Life is, like I said, it's fluid and it's flexible and it's ever changing. Nothing is fixed. You know, as wonderful as it would be if everything just stayed the same and things didn't happen and there weren't any surprises and nothing spontaneous happened and nothing unexpected happened, life would be pretty boring. But yeah, the thing I say to my clients is that life will not always be deficit friendly. So let's say that October for you is a big month. So for me, it's a big month for me because it's my youngest uh, son's birthday. So he'll be four on the 30th of October. He's a Halloween baby. I've got one Halloween son and I've got an Easter son, two seasonal kids, which is a shame because it means that Jacob's Parties are usually Easter orientated and cares much to his joy because he he's obsessed with Halloween. 
has Halloween birthdays. Um, but yeah, let's say you have, uh, let's say October is a, bu- a busy month for you. You have three or four different birthdays. You've got a couple of things coming up. You're going to be eating out a few t- times and you've got some big nights out, right? Is it then realistic for you to have fat loss as your absolute number one priority throughout this month? Keeping in mind the things that you need to do to actually achieve fat loss. There isn't much, you just have to consume fewer calories than you are burning. But when you have a lot of occasions where food and drink is perhaps going to be uh, a primary feature... How realistic is it then for you to be in a deficit? Because if you think about these occasions where you are probably going to consume more calories than you need. So you're having these occasions where you consume more than you need. You're going to have to have lots of other occasions where you consume less than you need. And if your rate of progress is important to you, you're going to have to have a lot of occasions where you consume much less than you need. So how realistic is that for you? So it's really important to understand that consistency will not look the same all of the time because consistency does not mean doing the same things all of the time. The the coaching question that I really like, right, is when someone's talking about, let's say someone comes to me and says they're feeling overwhelmed, they feel like they've got too much to do, I'm not able to do this and I'm not able to keep up with that and you know, I want to exercise three times a week but I'm not getting to, I want to run five miles a week but I'm not getting to, right? So we just take all that away and just say, look, let's relax here. What does consistency need to look like right now? And it's a great question to help you just take that step back and say, right, I have all this shit going on this week. It is going to be unrealistic for me to exercise four times this week. What is realistic? Okay, I can commit to two. Great. It's unrealistic for me to keep doing my 10k steps a day. Brilliant. Do you need a step goal at all? Not really. Fine. Get rid of the step goal. And then you just keep going through everything like that. And then it's... It's not that you're prioritizing. In fact, this would be prioritizing things even more. The fact that you're stopping to do this exercise and say, look, I am putting too much pressure on myself here to operate at this level when the world around me has changed this week or this month to a point where I can operate at this level. So what level can you operate at? What does consistency? Consistency looked like this last month. This month is different. What does consistency need to look like now? Um, When I'm, so inside um, my group coaching program, so inside the one-to-one group, we set calorie and macro figures. Now, it's a calorie range. I don't like exact numbers. Nothing magical happens when you hit exact numbers. Um, So we have calorie ranges and then we have a minimum protein target to work to and a range of fiber to work to. So it's all very flexible, right? I try to create, there comes a point where you have to realistically work to some sort of range of numbers. But if we can take away the exactness and the preciseness of like people that give you calorie goals, I want you to have 1600 calories a day every day. That's fucking stupid. Uh, And also if you're giving those to someone who has an all or nothing mentality or a perfectionist mindset, it's a recipe for disaster. 
So when we set or when I set these goals, they are done based on, you know, if someone joined me today, we did all the figures on the 7th of October, here is everything I was doing, here is everything that was important to me at the time, here are my long-term goals, fine, here's what we're going to work to. But please know that this is not set in stone. These are going to change over time. You are going to have weeks. So today um, marks the start of another, yet another, fortnight of school holidays here. Um, Summer holidays were the usual length. Then they added an extra week onto the October week. So the October week is now the October fortnight. But we'll see the return on that next year with the summer holidays being a week shorter. <laughs> so swings and roundabouts. Um, so yeah, here is a fortnight where fat loss might not be realistic for someone. So two of my private clients are school teachers. Um, they now have two weeks off. So the conversations we've had is that, yep, you're going to be busy this next two weeks. I'm sure you're going to be eating out. I'm sure you're going to be doing fun stuff. Let's just take the pressure off, right? So you you are not going to make the same progress this fortnight as you would do under normal circumstances. So when life is relatively quiet and it allows you to bump fat loss and the things that lead to fat loss higher up your list, if something's getting more attention, then you're going to get better results. If you head into a fortnight of holidays where you're going to be doing stuff um, one has kids, one doesn't. So you're going to be doing stuff with kids, you're going to be having fun, you're going to have days out, trips, meals out, etc. How realistic then is it for you to get the same results you were getting when fat loss and all the things that lead to fat loss are bumped further down the priority list? So the less attention you give something, the, the, the smaller the results are going to be. And that's not a negative thing. It just is. And that's the trouble, right? People have such difficulty accepting what is. Everything, everything's always, oh, it should be like this. I should be doing this. I should be losing a pound a week. Why should you? What have you done that makes you believe you should be losing a pound a week? Oh, that's what I've always lost. Yeah, but that's what you lost over the last two months while life was quiet. This wasn't quiet. This two weeks, you did this, you did that, you did this, etc. That took your attention away a little bit. So no, you shouldn't continue to make that level of progress. So consistency has many layers. Many, many, many layers. Okay. Let's use steps as an example. Someone might set themselves a 10,000 steps per day goal. And they hit 10,000 steps per day. And you could then say that that person is consistently doing 10k steps per day. What you could also say is that person is being consistently active. That person is consistently going for a walk. So when, but the thing is like people just focus on the number, right? So if it's not 10k steps, it's a failure. Oh, you know, our check-in questions. I'll always ask, you know, how are you doing with your calorie range this week? And all they want to tell me about is that one day that they went over. They don't want to say, oh, I had six day, I had five days that were, were within my range, a day that was actually quite under because I wasn't hungry. But all they want to tell you about is that one day where their calories were a couple of hundred higher. And, you know, and they see that as 
I wasn't consistently within my range. Okay, but let's strip that back. Let's look at the week as a whole. You were consistently in a calorie deficit. You were consistently losing fat. So consistency has many layers and people get dialed a little bit too much into the specifics. You know, oh, I didn't do my 10K steps this week. I had three days where I only did 8K. Yeah, but you were consistently active every single day. You consistently went for a walk. You were choosing to move. Stop looking for the negatives. Let's focus on the positives here. Consistency, I feel like I've, I've said that word so many times now that it's starting to lose all meaning. But consistency is not just meant to look like one set way and anything else is a failure. I suppose this is probably quite similar to the last episode talking about the importance of being flexible. I guess this would tie in with that a bit as well. But that's a big question, right? So next time you find yourself in a position where there are lots of things going on, you feel almost tempted to sack off what you're doing altogether because it would be easier. You know, especially people with the kind of perfectionist mindset. It very much becomes, well, if I can't do it this way, what's the point doing it at all? If I can't stick to this calorie range, if I can't do this number of steps, then why should I bother at all? Which is ridiculous. I can't do 10k steps a day this week and I can only do 8k. I'll just not bother going for a fucking walk at all and I'll do 4k a day. It's stupid when you lay it out like that. And yet, that's how some people's brains work. It seems perfectly logical at the time. I can't do this the way I want to do it. I recently had a chat with someone about they're running one of my clients, okay? And I've actually, I've, I've done this a few times with a few different clients, but it came up again recently and it reminded me of it where someone wanted to get back into running, but they felt like they had lost their mojo a bit. And, you know, we had a discussion about it. It's like, well, what happened the last time? And it was to do with time. Our shifts had changed at work. She wasn't getting to go out at the time she liked to go out at. There's step one. Wasn't getting to go out and do it at the usual time she liked to do it. And it meant that she was going to have to cram it in elsewhere. And do you know what the problem was? The problem was that she didn't call it going for a run. She didn't see it as going for a run. Every Everything that she did related to running had a measurement attached to it. So she wanted to go for a 10k, but she couldn't because the time that she had available didn't allow her to do that. It took her, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes to run a 10k. She only had a 30 minute gap. So the the very simple mindset flip that we did with this was stop attaching a distance to your runs. They are no longer 5k's or 10k's. They are durations or just a run. How much time do you have available? I can, I've got 30 minutes. Great, go for a 30 minute run. Warm up for five, warm down for five, run for 20 in between. Okay. <laughs> and that's all it was because she wanted to go for a 10k. The time available didn't allow for it. So she wasn't running at all. And it was all because of the way that she was labeling the run. She didn't label it as a run. She labeled it as a distance. A distance that she did not have the time to do. And again, it's coming back to that, right? Well, what does, you know, you were consistently running 10K three times a week. Great. Things have changed now. What does consistency need to look like right now? 
So it's not about being able to do the thing to the level that you want to do it all of the time. It's understanding that the light, the the world around you will change, life will change, and your approach will have to change. Because it's far better to do something than nothing. And there's a lot of middle ground between running 10Ks and doing nada. There's a lot of middle ground between doing 10K steps and doing nothing. Going to the gym five days a week and doing nothing. How many t- how many people have I worked with that have set the intention? You know, what are, you, what are your intentions for the next week? I am going to go to the gym six days this week. And then you look at their last week and they went two days. And you're like, yeah, how is that going to work? For the last two to three weeks, you've been going to the gym two days a week. How realistic is it that you are going to get up at? Sorry, that you. my mind went off on another thing I'm going to talk about there. How realistic is it that you are now going to go to the gym six days a week, having gone a total of six times over the last three weeks? What's going to happen when you get to that third day and you don't go for two days and then you don't have enough days in the week to reach the six? You will stop going altogether and you'll just get angry with yourself. And the other one I was going off on then was thinking about running. You know, I remember asking someone once about, you know, they wanted to get into running or back into running. What are your intentions? I am going to set my alarm to to get up an hour earlier in the morning. Amazing. What time do you normally get up at? Half five. Okay, so you are going to get up at half four. Every that you're just going to suddenly start doing that. Get up at half four every morning, and go for a run. And that was the intention. It wasn't just, I'm going to start getting up at half four in the morning. It was, I am going to get up at half four in the morning, Monday to Friday, and I'm going to run. Absolutely setting yourself up for failure with that one. So yeah, be realistic with what consistency is going to look like. Now, yeah, I think that's enough on that. The other topic I wanted to cover in this one was something... Um, a conversation I had with one of my private clients. So yeah, it's been fun working with the private clients. I've, I've realized now what my role is as a coach with my private clients. So I just, you know, it's something I wanted to do for two years, kept putting it off, kept putting it off. COVID was a great excuse to, to put it up, put it off because I thought I was going to be also doing face to face and, um, consultations and things, which, Absolutely not. Everything's online. I'm more than happy to do online stuff. Um, so yeah, I had a, f- a chat with my friend Amelia in July, June, July time. She challenged my thoughts on the whole thing. And would you believe it? Within a month, I had 22 applications for people to work with me, to, to fill 10 spaces to work with me privately, which was just phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I've kind of discovered now what my role is as a private online nutritionist is and what it looks like. And I've got such a better feel for it now. Um, so yeah, with this particular client, what we were trying to work on was, so I'm not, I'm not really getting them to count calories. They don't have calorie goals. They don't have anything like that. It is all very much habit-based and more mindset focused. So the the primary thing is doing the check-ins and then setting the habits. Now, the, this, is, this is all done within private software, something called Apotheo. And 
I can create these habits for people. So they, they join, I find out a lot about them. We have a chat, um, not face to face because that does not work when you're an introvert. It's a consultation form. I, I give them most of their feedback in video format. And yeah, I learn a lot about them and that allows me to then set some habits. So I can look and say, right, here are some things, here are some unhelpful things that this person is doing. Here are some big bang for buck moves that I think this person could make that would have an impact straight away and drastically improve their day. And the habits that we'll set are, so uh, using the the no distance thing again, go for an an intentional walk each day. No time no distance, no steps attached. And that is for someone who perhaps said that they would like to walk more or do more steps, uh, but they're not doing it. So trying to help them create the habit of going for an intentional walk each day. Nothing to do with getting 10k steps, nothing to do with walking for a, a certain distance or a certain amount of time. Going through the motions of, okay, it's time for my walk now. Shoes on, jacket on, out the door. And then the rest comes after that. They come back and they've done two miles and they didn't even realise it. They've done 5k steps and they didn't realise it because it was not, wasn't about that. It was just about walking. Um, other habits. Leave your phone on, the, on charge downstairs out the bedroom. Helping people bounce out of bed in the morning and get up much easier and start their day instead of the first thing they do, reaching for a phone to switch off an alarm and then jumping straight into all the notifications that have came in, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, and then crashing around, trying to get out the door in time to get to work or get kids out the door, whatever the case may be. And then various other things. I think a big one that many of my clients have is working on mindful eating, eating without distractions. So by using these sorts of habits, we can start to influence the amount of calories that someone consumes without counting calories. And while it might not seem obvious, leaving your phone on charge in another room and not wasting that 30, 45 minutes, an hour in the morning scrolling and instead getting your shower, getting ready, getting organised, planning your food for the day, that alone, setting on you, setting your, sorry, starting your day on the right foot can have drastic impacts on your decision-making processes later on, how tired you feel later on. I saw a thing recently, I think it was maybe Jay Shetty talking about, um, you would never allow a hundred people to come stomping into your bedroom first thing in the morning and all start trying to talk to you at the same time. And yet, that's what we do when we pick up our phones, right? We pick up our phone, we open Instagram, we scroll, we scroll. Hundreds of people telling you all different things. Here's what I'm doing today. Here's what I did yesterday. Look what I've just booked. Look at these new shoes. Look at this. Inspirational quote. Here's how much weight I've lost. Here's what you should be doing. Six tips to get you out of bed in the morning. Number one, put your fucking phone down and stop reading this post. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyway... That can be mentally draining first thing in the morning and influence decision making later on. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun for me setting all these different habits and seeing how that influences people's eating habits. So anyway, back to the point here Um, with this particular person. So they were in the habit. They like to at the weekend, they like to have a drink. They like to go to the pub, have a few half pints and a couple of halves or whatever the case might be. Right now. When we looked at it. 
okay? The alcohol wasn't really adding that much on. And at a couple of these check-ins, this person said, you know, is there anything particularly you want to work on? Is there anything that hasn't went well? I can't remember what the, the question was that I asked at the time, but it was, oh, I think I need to make changes to my drinking habits. And then I went back and had a look. I was like, do you know what? In the grand scheme of things, looking at the total number of calories that you've consumed this week, because we have them tracking what they're eating, not planning intentional numbers, but keeping a food diary, a record, so that we can look at it and say, do you know what? This needs improved. This doesn't really. And it was really handy for this because I can look and say, the alcohol is really a drop in the ocean. It's not like you're consuming thousands of calories in alcohol. It's a few hundred here and a few hundred there. What is that in the grand scheme of things? Nothing. So instead, let's look at what you're doing the rest of the time where we can make changes. And the realisation that this person had was that they were eating quite a lot, not eating a lot, but a lot of the occasions that were, they were snacking was out of habit, not hunger. So at night with a cup of tea, always having this. During mid-afternoon with a cup of tea, always having this. And we just questioned that and said, you know, when you have these things, are you actually hungry? Oh no, not really. Okay, well, why are you having them? Because I always have. Okay, well, what about if you're not hungry, we don't have these things? Um, and this was the very simple mindset flip. Or it, feel, it felt very simple to them. It was huge. Because that's why people get coaches. Because it's not obvious to them. Common sense is not common practice. People do things... Because they just do, because they become habit. It's what they've always done. They always have two biscuits with their cup of tea. They always have something to eat because they're in the car. They always have whatever it is when they're doing this. Like they all, It's the attachments that we create between something that we do and something that we have at that time. It's 8pm and the kids are in bed. That means I go to this cupboard and I get this. It's 8pm and I'm sitting down on the couch to put on Netflix. I always make sure I have my tea and my crisps and my whatever around me. You've just had your dinner an hour and a half, two hours earlier. You're not hungry. This is completely, you know, this is eating for no reason, which is not an awful thing. But it can be unhelpful if we do it often enough. That doesn't mean that we, we should only ever eat when we're hungry and never eat when we're not hungry. That's not what it's about. It's about being able to pick and choose your moments to do that and know that this is that's fine some of the time, but to be sitting down every single night after dinner when you're still comfortably full and then putting more energy, calories, food, putting more food on top of food for no reason, the more that you do that, the more that you're going to be someone that then has to go and work with a coach and help get your weight down. Uh so yeah, it was just such such a kind of light bulb moment. And she is now at a point where she's she's picking and choosing her moments. Do I really want this? If I do, go for it. Have it. Do I really need it? And it's just weighing up that decision. Do I really want this that much? Not really. So we've not necessarily done too much with the drinking habits. Because and I'm I don't I'm always conscious of using that language because it makes it can make things sound awful. I don't mean it in that way at all. It's just the the habit of alcohol, the, the way that that person, 
uses alcohol, how it factors into their diet and their weekends. And again, like I said, it's not much. And because it wasn't much, it felt like the the wrong thing to look at. It felt like the wrong pl- the wrong place to put our attention on. A good segue for this actually is something else that I'm very into at the moment. So when we think about the number of meals that we eat in a week, and we'll round things off with this. If you are going to have 21 meals in a week, as most people do, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, one meal out of 21 meals is just under 5%. So I recently had someone ask, you know, I'm going out for a takeaway. I say recently, I get asked all this all the bloody time. I'm going out for a takeaway on Friday or I'm going out for a meal. Sorry, we're we're ordering a takeaway on Friday. I'm already looking at the menu. I'm already planning to get this and this low calorie thing. And it's like, stop, 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 stop. Why on earth would you want to do that? This takeaway, this meal out is one meal out of the 21 meals that you will have this week. And this is similar to the alcohol versus snack situation. Do you think that what you do for one meal is going to have a greater influence on your week as a whole than the other 20 meals that you're going to have? What's going to have the biggest impact? One meal or the other 20 meals? Unless you are having takeaways seven days a week or five days a week, unless you are eating out most nights of the week, you probably don't need to be worrying about making the most, whatever you perceive to be the most healthful of choices when it comes to that particular meal. That doesn't mean it's a night to go bananas or whatever. It just means you don't have to be, think you don't have to look at a menu and pick the lowest calorie thing. You don't have to pick the salad. If you're doing stomach rolls, you don't have to pick the baked potato, which is the default thing. Baked potato, you know, people go out for a meal, they look at the menu, they don't know how many sins is in things, they don't know how it's cooked, they go, do you know what? I've seen it so many times in people's, my fitness pals, baked spud tuna mayo, because they know off the top of their heads how that factors in. Um, But yeah, when it's just that one takeaway or just that one meal or just that one night, Provided that you are not going absolutely mental, does it really matter? Not really. Is it's it's four point seven six percent by the way. That's what one meal out of twenty one is. So do you think that what you are doing four point seven six of the four point seven six percent of the time is the thing that's dictating what your weight does, or is it the other ninety five point two four percent? We all know the answer. So worry a bit less about what you're doing some of the time, right? The th- the thing, one of the things I ask with the private clients when they get started is, you know, some of them at least, what do you think your biggest kind of trouble areas are? And it, it just gives you some great insights, you know. Oh, it's because I I like chocolate. It's like, yeah, it's probably not. You know, you find out more about it. Yeah, I have a piece of chocolate every night. Okay, well, what is it you have? Oh, Alfredo. <laughs> okay, so the 100 calories of chocolate that you're having seven nights a week, again, a drop in the ocean, that's probably not the reason. Remember, 
The total number of calories that you consume in a day is exactly that. It is the sum value of every single decision that you make. People people get very... It's very easy for people to point the finger at certain foods, right? So they they get very good at playing the blame game. And that's what they'll do, right? Oh, it was the cake. Yeah, it probably wasn't the cake. It was the fact that you had all of that other stuff, but then also had cake. Cake was a part of that. Something I find quite a lot, and it's it's a language thing I pick up on a lot with my kind of group client members, where they'll say, oh, my calories were fine that day, but then I had this and that put me over. And it's like, nope, that's not what happened at all. The bran flakes that you had in the morning were just as responsible for the total number of calories you had in the day as the Mars bar that you had at night. The Mars bar did not put you over your calories. All of the choices that you made in that day equated to X amount of calories. And it's it's really important not to, you know, just because you ate the thing at the end of the day doesn't mean that's the one responsible. Your choice was the thing responsible. Your choices. All of the choices you made in that day. You could have skipped I don't know, whatever. you could have skipped your afternoon snack knowing you were going to have a Mars bar at night. And the calories would have been fine. The Mars bar wouldn't have been an issue because you've done something elsewhere. So it's not always the thing that you think. You know, people get very zoomed in on the wrong things and they point the finger at the wrong things and they play the blame game with the wrong things. God, <laughs> fuck it. Oh, man. How can I tell this story without um, it being completely obvious? Okay, so I'll just be very vague. I came into regular contact with someone and all they ever spoke about was gin and crisps. Oh, when I have the gin, you know, I, I like a gin. They didn't just like a gin, they loved gin. Pretty sure they were drinking gin seven nights a week. Like, light during the week, heavy at the weekends. But when I have a gin, I need to have crisps. And they were probably getting through sharing bags of Walker Sensations or whatever. And then there was one day, I was at this appointment. So this person worked in the reception there. Probably giving away too much now. And she said, do you know what my problem is? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that, but yes, I know what your problem is. You drink gin seven nights a week, and when you drink gin and get tipsy, you start smashing packets of crisps. Um, but it was a rhetorical question, so I just sat there. She said, I don't eat enough fish. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. But what can you say? They didn't ask me for advice. Um, they probably wanted it, but I just kept quiet. But yeah, isn't it interesting what people's perceptions are? You know, they were drinking probably thousands of calories in gin, eating thousands of calories of crisps, and they believed that the absence of fish in their diet, in fact, it was white fish, they were very specific about it. I don't eat enough white fish. They believed the absence of white fish was going to be this, you know, if you think about it, where does that come from? If you, if, I, if I'd asked the person there and then, right, if you start eating white fish, tell me what happens. They probably wouldn't have an answer for me, but they've likely read something somewhere or heard someone say something, and that's the thing, isn't it? 
everybody is always doing different things all of the time. That's the reason that something works for one person and doesn't work for another. Because the person it worked for was doing different things. The person it didn't work for, it wasn't enough to overcome all the other stuff that they're doing, right? This is a, that's a topic for a whole other thing. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that. So yeah, your attention is often on the wrong thing. Um, and the things that you think you need to change, quite often, it's not them. You know, you need to, people often look at their weekend habits and say, oh, I need to change that about the weekend. And in some cases, yes, going out for a fry up, having a McDonald's for lunch and then getting a Chinese for dinner. Yes, that might not be particularly helpful. But there are often times where people will look at the weekends and say, oh, do you know what? I eat really late. Um, my meal times are, are my meals kind of change. We have a takeaway, but I do skip breakfast, and you know they'll get so uh, consumed by these weekend habits, you know. And if you actually track that, let's say that person tracked it in my fitness pal, and I could sit down and say, "Well, do you know what? Your weekends are actually fine. You know this Monday to Friday thing you're doing when you're at work, and it's between." 9am to 11am and you're having those 400 calories worth of snacks every day, five days a week, that's probably the thing you want to start making adjustments to. Or do you know those four biscuits that you have every time you have a cup of tea and you're having five cups of tea a day? You might want to take a look at that. So more often than not, it's not the thing you think. Um, and I guess that's just, that just comes with the territory of what I, the territory of what I do. It's my job to to find these things and help the person see that. Yeah, all those things that you think are unhelpful, yes, they might well be. And yes, you might need to scale them down a bit. But in the grand scheme of things, there are probably much bigger areas that you can focus on and have an impact. Anyway, that's enough from me. Um, easing back into this. These will be fortnightly again. Now listen, if you have made it this far, I have a favour to ask. Now I know I don't ask for much. I really don't. I give as much as I can. I help as much as I can. I invite everyone to send me emails and questions and DM me for me to help as much as I can. Um, so now I would like to ask a favour of you. I'm looking at the list of episodes here. Anything between 200 and 620 was the highest downloads. That was the very first episode, 620. But realistically, between 200 and 400 people listen to this podcast um could if if i have if you've worked with me definitely do this if i've helped you in any way through messages or emails or even just the content i've shared i would like you to review me uh, i recently started a trust pilot page and in a world where people are being very careful about how they spend their money and they are being a bit more wanting to see reviews and wanting to see more proof and more evidence, it's really important to have reviews. Now, I wish I could have rewound five years and told uh, 32-year-old me that 37-year-old me might need some reviews in the future, so start gathering them now, not towards the end of 2022. I've got 38 reviews on there. That needs to go up. Realistically, I should have thousands, but, you know... Hindsight's a wonderful thing. I would love it if you would get to the end of this episode, open up your web browser on your phone, 
Google Monroe Method Nutrition Trust Pilot. The link will probably come up right at the top. Go in, leave a relevant number of stars. I'm not going to, I think it's against the rules for me to ask you to leave a certain number of stars, but leave a relevant number that matches your experience um, or our interaction with some kind words, if you would be so kind. Because Trustpilot is such a funny thing. So even though I have 38 five-star reviews, it won't give you a five-star rating. You have to get more of them and you also have to be getting them consistently over time. It's it's great. It's wonderful. It stops people from being dicks and falsifying things. Uh, You need to have a steady stream of them coming in. Um... And they can't all just be people that you've sent links to and invited because there's a difference between invited and organic reviews. But anyway, yeah, I would love it to actually get to a five-star rating just because it's quite hard to achieve and I would love to be able to brag about that. But honestly, if 200 people that listen to this went and done that, my God, that would just make my world. So enough from me. I'll be back in a fortnight as ever. Get in touch with me. If any of these help, if you have any more questions, if you need any more help, if you want to ask any more questions about um, our, what I do inside the private coaching groups, anything like that, head to MonroeMethod.com, add your email address. You don't have to look at the rest of it, but just put your name and email in that box, first of all, to get on my mailing list, because that's where Instagram's a piece of shit. It really is. It does not show my posts to a f- even a fraction of the people that follow me. 37,000 followers. You're lucky if it shows my post to 1,500 of those. Story views now used to go, used to be over, used to be five to 8K people saw my stories. It's now less than 1,000. It's driving me bonkers. Get on the mailing list. That way you don't miss anything. It comes direct to your inbox. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, this is the only place I hand out my personal email address, which is not easy, not difficult to work out, to be honest, but jason at monroenutrition.com dot com different to the Monroe method one but or dm me on instagram on instagram don't do it on facebook i I don't have a love-hate relationship with replying to stuff on my facebook business page because i don't get notifications for it i only see them if i remember to log into it anyway enjoy the rest of your day thank you for listening back in two weeks also even if you have uh topic suggestions throw them at me i would love I would love other people to tell me what they want me to talk about. Otherwise, I just talk about the stuff that interests me and that might not interest you. Anyway.